Good morning. How is everybody this morning? Good. That's right. Awesome worship this morning. Yeah, don't get scared. I'm a horrible drawer, so you're going to be subject to some drawings. <laughs> yeah, Pictionary. We do some Pictionary. Well, awesome. You guys having a good week? Trying to stay cool? Yeah. Well, we're going to get started here. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for just coming this morning. Holy Spirit, we love just to hang out with you. We love hanging out with you. You're why we're here. So we just invite you to keep coming. Lord, just help me communicate what's on your heart this morning. Lord, we just open our hearts to what you have to say this morning. We just want to know what's on your heart this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've been with us for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking, we've been kind of hitting a theme. Um, does anybody remember what we were, we've been talking about? <laughs> you got the church amnesia, or you, you hear the awesome messages on Sunday and Monday, you're like, wait, what did we talk about again? <laughs> you guys remember what we've been talking about? Healing. healing, we've been talking a lot about healing, yeah. That's what the healing workshops Reading the word, feeding yourself. That's right, yeah, feeding yourself. Um, yeah, obedience to the word, right. Well, we're going to dive a little deeper into that this morning um, about feeding yourself. We talked pretty in-depth uh, about how to feed yourself through the word, you know, how, how to feed yourself through scripture. Um, if you guys didn't hear the messages, they're on a podcast. Travis had an awesome one. Um, and then uh, I had one a couple weeks ago. And this is just kind of a part two uh, to the message we talked about. And just a little bit of review. We talked about feeding yourself with scripture, with the Bible. And if you guys remember, Jesus said that his words, they're what? What are his words? Do you guys remember? They're life. But what specifically? Truth. They're definitely truth. Do you guys remember John 6? What did he say about his, his words? What are they? There's spirit and life, right? So if his words are spirit, remember we talked about it, they need to be spiritually interpreted, okay? So, you know, it's kind of like Jesus was basically kind of saying, you know, if he, he could have said this, my, my words, they're like Russian, and you need a Russian interpreter to understand what I'm saying. Does that make sense? He's saying, he was saying his words were spirit, and you needed an interpreter to understand, somebody who spoke the spirit to understand what his words actually meant. Does that make sense? So that, we talked about allowing the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, to interpret the word and to speak to us in relationship as we're reading the word. He's coming alongside us, he's the paraclete, right? He's coming alongside and he's revealing scripture to us, all right? This is key. <laughs> Holy Spirit. We need to interpret uh, his words, which are spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And then we talked about don't be tricked by the enemy to think that just because you've read something before or you heard a teaching about it or you've been to five conferences about this one subject that you somehow have attained it and you're actually walking it out in your life. That is a trap of the enemy. Just because you heard it doesn't mean that you have it. Does that make sense? 
So when we, hear, when we hear good teachings and we hear somebody else's testimony about what the Holy Spirit's showing them in Scripture or in their life, it is like we talked about it, right? It's a door. It's saying, hey, there is a door right here. I've been through it. You can go through it too. Does that make sense? This is huge. So many times, I don't know why. It's the enemy, really. We've fallen into the trap of like, oh, yeah, I know about that door, but I've never actually been in it. Because <laughs> I heard that sermon the other day. Travis, he talked about this experience he had, whatever. I know all about that. And then when you actually hear somebody give testimony about that door, again, you're like, oh, been there, done that. I already know about that door. Does that make sense? And then we actually have never gone and walked through that door ourselves. Let's not fall into that trap just because we heard something. Doesn't mean that it's, you've experienced it in your own life. These Sunday mornings, we turn church a little bit into this weird, uh, I don't know, one man, one leadership team show. And it's really, you know, we talked about living vicariously through your pastor and how God is calling the church to, to mature, to grow up in Ephesians 4, and that how that the church is supposed to be doing the work of the ministry, not this, not the fivefold ministry, not the pastor, right? And so just because the pastor talks about it and you heard a sermon about it, it's encouraging you, hey, I experienced this in God. It's available to you. Go after it. Does that make sense? Don't, get, don't let the enemy stop you into thinking that you got it just because you heard a sermon or you write a book about it. Okay, I'm going to hammer this thing because it is probably one of the most critical things that is keeping the church immature. Okay, so yeah, good teachings we hear. So we also talk about reading and meditating on the word. That when you read the word, whether you feel something or not, because sometimes we're like, man, I don't get anything out of this thing. I, I read it like all week, and I, man, it just felt like just dry. We need to believe that as we read his word, as we meditate on his word, as we like, remember what meditation means? It means you literally, you're turning it over and over. You actually, sometimes it can be translated, you're speaking it over and over. And you really, what you're doing is like, you're digesting that word. You're pulling out all the, the nutrients of it, the spiritual nutrients of it. That's what's happening. Whether you feel it or not, whether you feel like your brain is getting something out of it or not, Okay. Because what's happening is you're actually setting this stage with the Holy Spirit for you to actually encounter the truths of what you're reading. Now, the Bible without encounter, I'm telling you, the Bible without encounter, it's just a book. God wants his word to become flesh in your life. We're called to have an experiential relationship with Jesus. The word to know Jesus in John 17, 3, and this is eternal life, that you may know the Father and the one you sent, Jesus Christ. That word know is an experiential knowledge. Otherwise, we become Pharisees. We can go on Bible Jeopardy and give all the right answers, but we have nothing coming out of our life. We have nothing. Our relationship with God is nothing really. We just know a lot about him. Does that make sense? So when we read scripture, when we meditate on scripture, that's why it was 
we talked about, you know, and Travis did a great job explaining about the manna, how they had to go out every day. Not Moses, not Aaron, not the Levites. They didn't go out. The ministry team, <laughs> they didn't go out and get all the manna and then they just give it to everybody. Every single person had to do it for themselves. This is a huge picture to what we're called to do. And God's not doing it because he's like, man, I want to just make sure, because it says he's testing us. You know, in that scripture, it said, he, you know, I'm going to test Israel to see if they listen to what I say. This isn't a test to be like, okay, he did it, nah, oh, he did it, no. Oh, he did not go get his manna. He failed that test. No, he knew that this was a picture and a symbol of how we need Jesus every single day. We need to eat and partake of him every single, he was the manna from heaven. We need it. And when we don't get it for ourselves, we stay immature, we get beat up by the enemy, and we wonder why is all this bad stuff happening to me? So, all right, so that's a review. We need to ruminate. We want to set the stage. You guys remember when I talked about, you know, the Ephesians 3 scripture about knowing, experientially knowing the love of Christ. And then, you know, you guys remember we talked about when I was, I had this encounter in, uh, in college where I had an experiential knowledge of the love of Christ where it totally transformed my life. But I was reading that scripture before and I had this head knowledge Oh, yeah, Jesus loves me, right? We sang it this morning. We all have this head knowledge. Oh, yeah, God loves me. Yeah, I know it. You know, how do I know? Because the Bible tells me so. I read it over and over again. But there's more. He wants you to experientially know the word of God and him through it. He's setting the stage for an encounter when you read the word. That should excite you. That excites me. When I get down and I'm spending time with the Lord and I'm reading the word and I'm just meditating over a piece of scripture, asking Holy Spirit, teach me what, show me what you're talking about in here. I know that I'm setting this stage to know him more, to experience him more, to have a supernatural encounter with the truth that I'm reading about him, that I would have a super, supernatural encounter with him because that's why I'm doing this thing because we love him, right? We are after him. Who cares about knowing all the right answers? You know, I remember I was in, um, I did some youth ministry back in the day. <laughs> and uh, we, I, was, I was doing, uh, leading this, this group of teenagers and, uh, and we talked about this and we were going through and we were doing a discipleship program, right? You guys ever done those things where you kind of go, what is being, you know, born again? And, you know, you kind of talk about it and explain it and all that stuff. And I was like, and I used to joke with them, I was like, don't tell me the answer is Jesus <laughs> or the Bible. Or, you know, this head knowledge that they, would, they were brought up all throughout their life to know all the right answers, but they never actually experienced what they were taught. And it goes back to that, hey, there's a door over here. I experienced this thing in God. It's available to you. Go after it. Open the door yourself. Okay. So feeding yourself, part two, right? Let's get into this a little bit. I want to uh, leave some time for ministry. Um, So, you know, in order to grow spiritually, 
And to mature spiritually, there's two things that take place. You got to eat and you got to work. Okay? You got to eat and you got to work. It's just, you know, there's a reason why there's this symbolism and this comparison to naturally eating and then spiritually eating within the Bible, right? Because like in the same way that when you grew up and you were nursed as a little baby and you had somebody feeding you the bottle or whatever, and you grew up, you eventually just grew and you give, and then pretty soon, you know, your mom's making a peanut butter jelly sandwich, you know, and then you're, oh man, I like these. And then your mom's not around or something. Man, I'm really hungry. Man, I got to learn how to make my peanut butter jelly sandwich. So then you start learning to make your own peanut butter jelly sandwich. But then you've got to like, you're running around, you're outside, you're playing, you're doing all this stuff and you're growing, you're working, you're using those calories that you're eating, right? That you're consuming. Well, the same is true when you're, Growing spiritually, as you consume the spiritual calories, you've got to work it out, okay? Because here's another, unfortunately, the Western church has, has become a little bit fat on teaching. They hear lots of teaching. Man, there's so much good teaching out there. I love it. It's, it we're, we live in such a blessed time that the Holy Spirit's pouring out such revelation about the word and who Jesus is. And... Um, we can get stuck there where we just listen to a bunch of tapes. We listen, or we don't listen to tapes anymore, do we? <laughs> that just shows my age, right? Oh, I'm old. <laughs> back in the day, whatever. You know, I don't know if you guys remember back the church back. We were using tapes still, probably in the 2000s. <laughs> uh, I was like, what happened? To, what about CDs, guys? Oh, well. anyway. But yeah, you know what I'm saying. We, we, we filled up all these things. We come to church every Sunday. I want to hear a good teaching. Why do you go to that church? Oh, it's a great church because, man, that's some good teaching there. I get fed there, you know. Yeah, once a week, I get fed there. That's right. Unfortunately, that shows kind of where they are spiritually. <laughs> and I've been guilty of it too. No, you know. Hey, there's a season for that. I remember when I first came to the Lord, and um, I was so hungry. I had this encounter with the Lord, and I just went anywhere and everywhere God was moving. I didn't care. And I dragged all my friends with me. <laughs> they thought I was crazy, but it was awesome. And, um, and there was a season of that where I was just getting fed by all these like awesome people. This was during like, the Toronto day. You guys remember Toronto, outpouring in Toronto? I was in Pennsylvania. I don't know how they got there, but there was all these people coming from Toronto down there and man just eating it up and there was a season of that in my life and there'll be more seasons of that where I'm just sitting and I'm receiving but you got to do something with it you got to do something with it you got to step out you got to see okay I heard this awesome teaching about the love of God I want to experience the love of God Paul talked about it and he had an experience with it that means I know that it's available for me I can experience it for myself I want to know the love of God. I want to know it continually. Do something with it. Go after God with it. Don't just say, oh, I've got it because I heard this cool story about it and I read this good scripture about it. So you got to work it out, you know, Ephesians, and you got to like step out with what God's giving you to, to share with others, you know. Um, you know, if you eat and do nothing with what you eat, you just get fat and if you... If you work without eating, then you just get weary doing good. So we need both, right? 
You know, Ephesians 2.8 says, for the, by the grace of God, we've been saved through faith. We all know this scripture. And that not of yourself is a gift from God, not a result of works, so that no one, no one may boast. But here's the kicker here. For we are his workmanship. So we don't receive salvation. We're not saved by any works of our own. It was a completed solely by Jesus on the cross and what he did. But we are saved for his workmanship because he's created in Christ Jesus for us good works to do. So we've got to be stepping out with what, we've got to be burning some of these spiritual calories that we've been consuming for years now. <laughs> we talk about prophecy here a lot. We train about prophecy. We train about healing. We all Step out. All these teachings that you're hearing, start burning some of those calories. <laughs> Step out. Start praying for your coworker. Start praying for your sick aunt. I don't know. Get words for your coworkers. Get words for the lady in line at Walmart. Start burning these calories. I'm telling you, because in the process of you burning these calories and, and <laughs> you're, you're, you're growing your relationship with the Lord, number one. one. Number one. And number two, you're growing spiritually and mature. You're growing up. Because God's got awesome awesome plans and adventures for your life but he's kind of waiting on us because he'll never give us something that we cannot bear you know he's a good father he's not going to give me a chainsaw when, you know if i got if i'm two-year-old kid and i can't even hold it he's not going to give me the chainsaw you know i'm not going to give my son joshua the chainsaw to go hey we need those trees cut in the backyard go on joshua <laughs> He's going to bring us to a place of maturity because so, he wants to give us more. He wants us, he wants us to have the kingdom. All right, and then you guys know the scripture, uh, Proverbs 25, 2. We, we talk about it a lot here. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the glory of kings to search a matter out. What does that actually mean? Do you guys, can you guys tell me what, what is that scripture? We talk about it a lot here, especially in charismatic churches. We talk a lot about that. What does it mean that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of a king to search a matter out? God does, he hides things for us, not from us. You guys have probably heard that, uh, you know, kind of same before. He wants us to find him. But he does hide himself from us because in the process of us finding him, he's maturing us. He's building us up. Our character is growing. He hides things for us. Because when we receive the actual gift or we receive the actual revelation or whatever, that we would have the character and the stamina and whatever to actually walk with it and to, to walk in it and to carry it. We'll talk a little bit more about this. But that's what it means. He's, he wants us to rule. We're called a kingdom of priests. Right? And kings. We're a royal priesthood. A royal. You guys are called to be kings and queens. Your older brother is the king of all kings. Are you aware of that? 
It is your inheritance. It is my inheritance. So it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the glory of kings to search a matter out. So God wants us to find him, but he wants us to look for him. If you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. He doesn't just necessarily show up, but in the process of going after him, in the process of pursuing him, there's something that's being built up in us spiritually that we're able to contain the weightiness of the revelation. All right, so that's, that's why we talk about that scripture a lot. It's not just like, oh, I went to the, uh, I went to the, the prophetic conference and uh, I heard you know, Bob Jones speak, so you know, I've got the prophetic gifting. I've got the, I am walking in this uh, glory you know, that this scripture is talking about. No, that's the beginning of it, pursuing it, but then going after it yourself, learning that it's available and then pursuing it yourself. All right. So let's uh, let's talk about um, let's talk about revelation a little bit. I want to talk a little bit how we practically position ourselves to receive revelation. Now we talked about it a little bit last week, or no, a couple of weeks ago, about how do we practically position ourselves to to receive revelation from the Word of God. But there are other ways that we can receive revelation, and I want to walk through them a little bit, and. Um, and just let, let you guys know that they're available and remind you guys that cause a lot of you guys know this, these things are available. And um, I really believe we're walking into a season where there's just going to be this awesome grace to step into this more and more. And we're actually, we're really going to need it. We're really going to need the body to step up. I mean, you guys know, I mean, Travis talked about it last week, the state of our union, I guess, spiritually in a sense, you know. We're we're in a rough spot right here, you know. Our country's in a rough spot, and uh, the church, the kingdom of God, is the answer. It really is. It can come through many avenues: politics, education, all the mountains. Right, Lonnie? <laughs> but it's really the kingdom. The kingdom is the answer, and we need the the church to be walking as sons and daughters in the kingdom. So, and to do that, we need to grow up. We need to mature. I need to grow up. I need, I need to mature and what everything God has for me. So, this is how, we're going to talk a little bit about how, how to position yourself to receive revelation. All right. And just to kind of talk about that, sometimes people get all bent out of shape about what? There's all, revelation outside of scripture? That's, no, that's heresy. No, you, you only can get revelation through scripture. Now let me let me throw the, throw this out there. Now that's first off, that's not biblical because first off, a lot of people didn't have scripture, who scripture talks about receiving revelation. That makes sense. Now here's the there's a caveat about that. Now we never base doctrine out of experience. We only base doctrine out of scripture, and we always test and judge experience through the word of God, always. And if it is not in line with the sum of God's word, then we throw it out, okay? It's just not worth pursuing unless it is, <laughs> just don't, get, don't fall in that trap, okay? So that's caveat. You guys know that, but I have to say that. <laughs> um, so we need, uh, but we can receive revelation from God. We can receive uh, 
knowledge from God about who God is and about our situations in other ways. And we talk about this a lot of times, but there's a practical way to position yourself to do this. Now, we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Joshua and Moses and the children of Israel, right? And if you guys remember in Exodus 33, 11, it says that, you know, uh, the children of Israel were like, hey, Moses, I'm afraid to go up that mountain. God seems really scary, so why don't you go talk to him for us, and then you just tell us what he says, right? They wanted to live vicariously through Moses. And this is a picture of, of, I'd say, at least half of the American church right now. And God is calling us now to be like Joshua, and the distinct difference between Joshua and the children of Israel is that in Exodus 33, 11, it says that after Moses got the revelation from God, he went out of the tent of meeting where they would meet with God and then he would go share what he got you know, to all of Israel. But Joshua didn't go with him. Remember, what did Joshua do? Do you guys remember? He stayed in the tent. He remained in the tent. He was jealous to know God like Moses knew God. It was a holy jealousy. And I believe that is one of the reasons why he entered into the promised land and he was Moses' successor because he was not content in knowing God through a man. He wanted to know God himself, just like Moses did. Moses knew God face to face, and he spoke to him as he spoke to a friend. Joshua was jealous for that. He wanted to know God that way. I want to know that God that way. I'm not content of hearing good stories about God or seeing somebody else experience something in God. I rejoice over them experiencing and growing and and doing these things, but I'm not content. I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to pursue it. It is just a door saying, hey, Paul, this is available for you. Enter in. Because God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't show favoritism. If, he, if that person knew God in that way, if he's my brother or my sister my, and his son, then guess what? And I'm his son, I can experience the same thing if I, if I pursue him. So I encourage you guys, get jealous. <laughs> get jealous when you see it in a good way. <laughs> when you see people experiencing God. Man, I want to know God like Bob Jones knew God. How Bob Jones was, I'm jealous for Bob Jones' relationship for God. If you guys know who Bob Jones is, I'm not talking about like South Carolina uh, University. I'm talking about the prophet. He was really probably one of the closest friends of God I've ever seen and I've ever met in my life. I'm jealous to have a relationship like, like Bob had. And I think one of the things, there was prophecies and stuff like that after he died, and Trash, you might correct me on this, that, uh, that the, his passing was, you know, kind of a, a, a prophetic picture that this invitation of friendship, wasn't there something along those lines uh, for, for all, that there'd be many Bob Jones, that there wasn't just this one person who knew God super close, would hear him and, you know, would call you up, tell you what you dreamed that night and then interpret it, what the dream meant, you know, that kind of stuff. Everyone, all of the body to do the work of the ministry. So how do we position ourselves to receive revelation? We do the Joshua model. We remain in the tent. Now, what does that actually practically mean? Well, I'll tell you what it means to me, what I've kind of learned in my life and how I'm, I receive from the Lord. And, and there's so many, I mean, I couldn't even 
Just Google search or go in your concordance and look up waiting on God. There are so many scriptures about waiting on God and the practice of waiting on God. And it's actually a discipline. Waiting on God is an actual discipline. We talk about prayer, we talk about fasting, we talk about worship, all these disciplines, you know. Um, but waiting on God is a practical discipline and a tool for us to experience and to receive from God. Now, what does that actually practically look like? Okay, you just like, you're waiting at a, you know, and waiting in line at, <laughs> at Walmart or something, and, and you're just kind of like talking to God. Uh, yes, but like in reality, really, it's getting alone, getting in that tent of meeting, and sitting down and waiting. Not necessarily saying anything, and waiting, and listening. Just saying, Lord, I'm here. My heart is open. What do you have? What do you want to talk about? I want to talk to you face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Talk with me. And just waiting. And waiting some more. And listening. And listening. You know how hard this is? Well, let me encourage you. It gets easier and easier the more you do it. <laughs> but here's the other thing. I want to talk some practical stuff about this. When you're waiting on God, when you're sitting and you're waiting and you're receiving anything that he has for you, you know, we talk about how we actually hear his voice, and you guys can listen to the podcast. We talk about that a lot. But there's some practical things here because it, I don't know about you, but when you get alone with God, and, and there's no music, there's no kids, you know, you're just you and him, you know, all, your mind just races, your mind kind of goes to this, kind of goes to that, and, this, and it's like, oh, what did I, what do I got to do for work today? Oh, wait, uh, what am I going to have for lunch? Oh, I need to go get this lunch with this guy. You know, our brain just kind of like, it's constantly like swirling around, okay? And that's, uh, and that's okay, that's natural, that's what, that's what, uh, yeah, that's what brains do, right? But the, but the mind, uh, we, we can discipline ourselves with the help of the Holy Spirit to quiet our mind because, you know, we need to, first and foremost, Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says that we need to set our minds on him and heavenly things. You know, therefore you've been raised with Christ. Keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Okay? So when you get alone, and you're waiting on God, and you're talking with him, and you're receiving from him, we got to, like, set our minds on things that are above. Now, it's really hard sometimes, uh, especially when you got a really busy week, and you got four kids, and, you know, all this stuff, <laughs> natural things in life. And our, it's, sometimes it's hard for, to get our mind focused on the things that are above and not the things that are, that are on earth. Things that aren't bad, you know, because we all have to live in this natural world, but there's a time that we need to get alone with God and we need to fix our minds on spiritual things, okay? So now the reason that, that this thing is going on here, right, so this is where I'm going to draw my, don't make fun of my uh, pictures now. I know Travis probably will, but... There's a battle going on, and you guys have talked about, I mean, we, we've talked about this. You like my picture of my guy? Going to put like a little cloud kind of thing right here because out of your belly will come rivers of living water. So before you're, before you're born again, <laughs> this is the humor part of the, 
This is the humor part. So before you're born again, oh, you're going to like this. Let's see if I can do this. So your spirit man, you guys know this. Your spirit man, before you're born again, he is dead. The Bible says he's dead because of sin. He's dead. So when you get born again, you say, Jesus, you're Lord of my, my Savior. Forgive me my sins. I believe that you're the Son of God and you rose from the dead. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you, right? The Bible says he becomes one with your spirit. And you're born again, and he makes you alive. He quickens you. Literally, The word literally means quickened. You're made alive. You're born again. The Holy Spirit takes up permanent residence in your physical body, okay? You guys know this. I, I, I'm sorry. I got to go through all this to kind of get where I'm going. So when you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes in, and then all of a sudden, you're still living inside of this mortal body, right? This flesh. The Bible talks about flesh, talks about the sinful nature. And then it talks about there, there's a struggle of control, okay, for your mind. All right, I'm going to draw a little. So your mind, right? All right, don't make fun. All right. So there's a struggle going on between your flesh and between the spirit, your spirit, which is one with the Holy Spirit, of who's going to be in control of this. Because scripture says, as a man, mind, as a man thinks, so is he. So, and you know, the mind, that's what, the, the brain, the mind is a tool, you know. God made our, our brains to be a tool. It's not the center of who we are. This is who we are. Our spirit is the center of who we are. And things are interpreted through our mind. So as a, as a man thinks, so is he. So the flesh, our sinful nature that we will struggle with until we have the renewed body, just like Jesus received that new body, we will struggle with this flesh for the rest of this life. And it will and be this battle. The flesh will be, want to be in charge of the mind. The spirit will struggle against the, the flesh to be in charge of the mind. Does that make sense? I'm trying to simplify this because it's kind of like it can be very um, ambiguous, you know, because um, you can't really see it, right? So Galatians 5.17, this is what it says, for the desire of the flesh is against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these things are in opposition with one another in order to keep you doing for whatever you want, Okay. Romans 8, 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed or controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. So when we get into this place, we're sitting down, we're in our tent of meeting, right, or your prayer closet, or whatever you want to call it, right, and you're waiting on God, and there's this struggle. You're feeling that struggle going on when you're just sitting there doing nothing. You're feeling the struggle. You're like, oh, I got to do this. I got this. Oh, man, I'm not. And then the enemy will come into, and he'll say, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You got this project to be done and all that. And there's this constant battling going on. And somehow we need to allow the Holy Spirit, the, our spirit man, to get in control of the mind. I mean, because let's be real here. If I tell you, hey, let the Holy Spirit control your mind, that's an easy fix. What do you do with that? 
<laughs> what? You got to put it to work. You got to put it to work. But how? If I tell you, you're like, oh, Paul, I've been trying this thing about waiting on God, and um, I get alone with God, and, and man, I just can't hear anything. And all I remember, all I'm thinking about is food. I'm hungry, or <laughs> or my kids are, you know, got to do this. I got to do that. And what if I just come and told you, hey, you got to let the Holy Spirit control your spirit. What do you do with that? Anybody got any ideas? Yeah, God gives grace to the humble. That, that's good. That's good. I'm going to tell you guys something like is key here. And this is why, like, um, in my own life, it has been, the, like, one of the coolest and awesomest gifts, the, one of the weirdest gifts of the Holy Spirit, but it's been one of the awesomest, biggest tools for me to experience and to receive revelation and to get quiet before God and allow the Holy Spirit and my spirit, man, to be in control of my mind. It's praying in the Spirit. Okay? There's a huge connection here. The Bible says that when we pray in the spirit, our mind is unfruitful, okay? It literally means that like, it's bypassing our brain. And all of a sudden, you're not putting focus on all the stuff you gotta do that day. And so, I'll be honest, I'll get alone with God, and when I'm waiting on God, and my mind begins to race with all the stuff I have to do throughout the day, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we, we live, you know. But I want to get, get with God. I want to hear what he has to say. I want to experience the things that I'm reading about him. And uh, I'll just begin to pray in the spirit. And I'll just pray in the spirit. And sometimes it takes 10 minutes. And I kid you not, sometimes it takes like an hour and a half <laughs> until my mind finally shuts up. <laughs> And there's a peace, and there's a life, and I can, I'm hearing the Lord. I'm, he's giving me pictures of things. And uh, so this is how you really can practically wait on God. and how Because what happens when you pray in the Spirit, you're basically, you're giving charge. You're using your will, and you're saying, okay, Holy Spirit, Spirit man, you're in control of this body, and I yield to you. And this yielding, this surrendering to the Holy Spirit, that's really what's taking place when you're praying in the Spirit. And then, you know, the Holy Spirit gives, uh, you know, you begin to pray in tongues. And he has control. And all of a sudden, things start quieting down a little bit because your flesh is no longer in charge of your brain. I know this is kind of like science class here, spiritual science class here, but it's important to understand this process because that's what's, ha- that's what's taking place. The Holy Spirit, he was, showing, he was the one showing me this. He went out, I was like, Lord, I'm trying to wait on you. I'm ch- he, I, had this exp- I had this encounter with, with the Lord um, when I was about 22, 23, where he started talking to me about Joshua, and he's ta- he, he just unveiled the waiting on him, the, the, the gift of waiting on God. And I was just like, and when I tried to do it, I was like, Lord, this is impossible. <laughs> My brain, I'm not hearing anything. I'm, try, I'm putting worship music on. I'm trying... I just couldn't get my mind quiet. I'm constantly going. I don't know. Like my mind is constantly, I'm just built that way. Or maybe I'm just undisciplined that way. (laughs) I don't know. 
And um, the Holy Spirit told me, Paul, pray in the Spirit. Just begin to pray in the Spirit. I literally, I just felt this like, you know, idea, pray in the Spirit. And I began to pray in the Spirit, and I was like, whoa. I noticed more and more my, my flesh, it's like my flesh and the Spirit just kind of like, one, one person was in charge, and then the other one got back in charge, slowly. Yeah. Yeah, that is a very good practical thing. If you guys didn't hear that, about writing down all those things that are swirling around so it's like they're not swirling around anymore. But there's also, too, that spiritual, a spiritual uh, unthroning needs to take place here of who's in charge. The flesh needs to sit down, and your spirit man needs to sit up and take the seat and needs to be in control. And guess what? This is a discipline. You can practically do this. A lot of times I've been to so many conferences, like, and that's the answer I get is like, oh, you just need to have the Holy Spirit to take control. Yeah, okay, how do I do that? <laughs> Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit to your mind till your spirit man is in control. Okay? There's so many scriptures we, we've talked about. We have lots of teachings, or we had teachings about praying in the Spirit. It edifies. That's one of the reasons when I, the Holy Spirit brought me to the scripture. I was like, okay, that like when a man prays in the Spirit, he's edifying himself. That's what's going on. When you're praying in the Spirit, you're building yourself up. You're allowing, you're literally building your spirit man up. He's in charge. Okay. I'm going to go through these. I'm going to go through these quickly because we have we've had a lot of teachings about this. So the types of revelation to receive during this waiting time, biblically speaking, there. I mean, just I'm going to go through major ones really quickly because I want to do. Uh, I feel like God wants to do some ministry this morning, and this is something that we we invite as a church. And I encourage you guys to invite as in your personal lives is receiving a messenger angel. Okay. Some people get a little afraid of this stuff because you're like, oh, angels. The Bible says don't worship angels. Why am I talking to angels? You know, the Bible says also says about angels that they're ministering spirits to who? Do you guys know the scripture? To the heirs of salvation. Who is that? So who, what are the angels, what are they here on earth for? For us. They're here for us. They want to minister for us. God is sending them for us. So let's take advantage of every single spiritual gifting and resource that heaven has for us, right? We've kind of straight, we've got, we could, some of us got a little, have gotten a little weird about the angels thing because some people have gotten weird about it, honestly. <laughs> some people have kind of gone way overboard with it and some people have kind of like, because of that, they're, knee-jerk reaction is just to throw out anything that has to do with angels and stuff like that. But angels are real. You have an angel, the Bible says. And they're ministering spirits. And there are so many scriptures. I couldn't even, I would have like 20 pages if I went through all the scriptures that talk about people receiving revelation by angels. Now, sometimes you guys, and I, I, I'm going to throw this out there. I personally believe this. This isn't necessarily scriptural, but I personally believe that if you're a believer, that you probably have received revelation from an angel and you might not even known it. Because some of those times it's the Holy Spirit. Some of the times there is literally an angel that comes and speaks to your spirit man. 
Now, do we differentiate? To, I don't know if it really matters. Is that the Holy Spirit? Was that an angel? <laughs> Whatever. It's if it's the Word of God, it's the Word of God, right? So, and this is, and we're, we don't have time to go through this, but Daniel ten. Read Daniel ten. You guys know that story. We talked about this a lot about how um, you know this angel came to Daniel and uh, gave him this great revelation of the things to come. And um, and in Luke one eleven. You know, the angel came and appeared before Zechariah in the tent or in the temple. And he said, you know, you're going to have a son, name him John. You know, in Acts 10, 3, an angel came to Cornelius. You know, on that day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius. And he stared at him with fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. And the angel answered, your prayers of the gift, uh, and gifts of the poor have come up as a memorial offering before the Lord. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. Oh, Acts 10, 3. And, uh, and just a real cool kind of story. Just to, This is, angels are real. And some of you guys have angel stories. I remember um, one time, I, I was actually in a, pretty uh, serious accident a while back now and uh, I was at home recovering I was in my bedroom and I was praying and I was just talking to the Lord uh, and you know just spending time with him I was waiting on the Lord and uh, all of a sudden as I'm just being quiet and I'm just listening I see this picture flash and we call it like a picture in our mind's eye but I like to call it like in our a picture in our heart's eye if that makes sense, because, you know, the Bible says that, you know, the eyes of our heart um, talks about that in Ephesians. But, like, I saw this picture in, in, in uh, my heart's eye of this huge angel standing in my hallway. I mean, he was probably about four feet wide. I mean, he had huge shoulders. I mean, he was like, like this. He was as tall as the ceiling, so maybe like eight and a half, nine feet. And he was blazing gold, like I was say, this gold. He was huge. He was, it was like really big. And uh, I was like, Lord, what in the world was that? You know, because I'm just like, I'm just listening. I'm like, it just kind of flashed in my, my heart's eye. And the Lord said, he, I heard it distinctly in my heart. This is the angel that I've sent to protect you and your family during this time of recovery. And I was like, okay, cool. Oh, wow, that's awesome, uh, you know? And then, of course, my mind is fighting with this. Oh, you're making this up, you know? You just kind of, you want there to be an angel, blah, blah, All this crazy, you know, how your brain goes and the enemy comes in and does all kind of stuff. Well, whatever. I was like, I just, I'm standing in faith. Lord, we need some angels up in this place. So I'm praying, I'm thanking God. And then um, a couple weeks later, I didn't tell anybody about this. A couple weeks later, I'm in my bedroom still, still recovering. And I'm just, and, I, and the, the picture popped up in my head again. I just, and I just chose to believe. I was like, thank you. And I just began to thank God, you know, under my breath. I'm like whispering, thank you, God, for that angel. Thank you, God, for that angel. And then immediately I hear Daniel, my little son, my son right here, he was real little. We called him Big D. He wasn't really that little. He was a pretty big guy. He's an 11-pound baby. <laughs> and um, he's running up the hallway outside. My door's shut. He's running up my hallway. He, say, he said, look at the angel. Look at the angel. He, I was like, what? You know, and I walked out my door. He's standing right where I saw the angel. 
I mean, he was like, I don't know, Daniel, you were probably like two or three. <laughs> he was young. He had no idea. I was just like, oh, my jaw just dropped. I was like, oh my gosh, I just began to praise God. I was like, thank you, God, for the this huge angel watching out for me and my family. I saw da- Daniel was standing right there, like where the angel was, where I saw him, and, you know, my heart's eye, like pointing, like, look at the angel, look at the angel. It was awesome. I'm convinced there, you know, there, we, how many times have we missed just like not allowing the, you know, God to minister to us through angels? You know, Jesus was ministered to angels multiple times in the desert and in the garden. How much more for us? How much of you guys need strength? So many times when I was reading about angels, how they impart strength to physical bodies. Man, so many of us need that. Energy, strength. All right, I'm not going to have time to go through all this. We'll maybe talk about this another time, but I, I think it's time to transition, do some ministry.